God impressed upon my heart that, that he wanted to challenge his people. That the year 2014 would be a year of challenge. And I'm 110% convinced that God wants you to experience an, a total turnaround in your life. Now, I don't know what it is in your life this morning that needs to be turned around, but I am, I, am, I am totally and completely convinced that God wants to lead you into a total turnaround in your life. Now, for some people, it's in the area of finances. For others, it would be in their marriage. And still others, they need a turnaround in their thinking. Still others, there might be a turnaround in their self-worth. And, and the list goes on. And on and on. F- fact is, I-, I don't know in what area you need a turnaround, but I do know. I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that not only is it possible, but it is what God wants to do for you, and he wants it to happen for you this year. Now, there's something you're going to have to do. And that is, you're going to have to embrace and implement the challenges that God has given me to lay out before you in this series that I'm calling Challenge 2014. You can see a total turnaround in your life by the end of this year. Now, if this is your first time uh, to be here, you can listen to the previous four sermons online Uh, by going to our website, which is tgpcares.com. It's on the front of your bulletin. Well, today's challenge is the attitude challenge. The attitude challenge. Some of you don't need this. You already have an attitude. Now, I want to lay out a foundation for this message today in case some of you think this is not very spiritual or scriptural. So let me lay out a foundation for the message today. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, one cannot possibly possess joy without a good, positive attitude. And what does Nehemiah say that the byproduct of joy is? Strength. He said the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that tells me that weak, anemic, powerless Christians are those with bad attitudes who possess no joy. Let me give you this scripture. It's clear as it can be. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22. I like what the Message Bible says about it. It says, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you exhausted. Now, it is a scientific fact that a person's attitude affects their health. I have read that there are two kinds of cells in our bodies. There are cancerous cells, and there are cells that attack and kill cancerous cells. And I have read that worry and stress, anxiety, fear, pessimism feed these cancerous cells. 
And these bad cells break down a person's immune system, and so their body cannot fight off disease, and so they are more likely to become sick. But on the other hand, people that have a good, positive, upbeat attitude toward life, people that dwell more on the up than they do the down, the positive more than the negative, people who, uh, whose faith is greater than their fear, these kinds of people tend to develop more of, a, of the good kind of cells that attack and kill the body, or uh, that, that attack and kill the bad, cancerous, disease-causing cells. Well, here's what's exciting to me. The wisdom writer said this long before scientists discovered it when he said a cheerful disposition or merry heart or a good attitude does as good as, as much good as medicine. Now, let, let me, before I, somebody throws something at me this morning, let me, I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that if you are sick, I'm not saying this morning if you have cancer, it's because you've got a bad attitude. And neither am I saying that a good positive attitude will guarantee that you won't get cancer and you will never get sick. But what I am saying is what the Bible says. And the Bible says that a cheerful disposition or a good attitude is good for your health. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Paul writes, Paul writes, he says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Philippians 4 and 11. And Philippians 4, 13, Paul said, I can. I what? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, these two verses and many, many more reveal the fact that Paul possessed a good, positive, healthy attitude. So there's just a little bit of... of Scriptural foundation for the message today. That being done, let's talk a little bit about this word, attitude. And let me suggest three things in this attitude challenge. The first thing I want us to talk about this morning is the priority. Let's talk about the priority. Now, humanly speaking, hear that part. Humanly speaking, the most important ingredient for a happy, satisfied, successful life is a good attitude. One person believes that. But that's better than none. May I suggest to you this morning that a good, positive attitude is more important than talent. It is more important than ability. It is more important than education. It is more important than experience or any other attribute that you might mention. May I suggest this this morning? Talent might get you there. A degree may get you there. Experience might get you there. A relationship might get you there. But may I suggest that it will be your attitude that will determine how long you stay? And it will be your attitude that will determine the extent of your success or of your failure. Henry Ford said, the number one key ingredient to success is the ability to get along with people. Amen. 
Another translation is a good attitude. Dr. Keith Johnson, leadership guru, says that success is determined by this formula. Dr. Keith Johnson says this is the formula for success. Are you ready? How many want to be successful? How many want to know what the formula for success is? Here it is, according to Dr. Keith Johnson, uh, leadership guru, guru, he says that that, that success is determined by this formula, 20% talent, ability, skill, knowledge. Success is determined by 20% talent, skill, knowledge, ability, 80% attitude. Here's a fact to consider this morning. Your attitude will affect every single part of your life. It will affect your marriage. It will affect the relationship that you have or do not have with your children. Your friends. It will affect your career. Your attitude will determine how much money you make. Now everybody's interested in that. But attitude will determine how much money that you make. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? Well, let me, let me say, just, just, just be a pain in the booty at work. Just be a pain in the booty at work. Tick everybody off uh, with your bitter, sour, negative, divisive attitude. And just see how high you climb on the corporate ladder. Just see how many raises you get. See how many bonuses you get. See how many promotions that you receive. Just saying. We're talking about the priority of attitude right now. I challenge you to tell me even one other key element humanly or ingredient in life that carries as much value or will do as much damage as a person's attitude. Let me tell you that attitude will make you or it will break you. It will take you up or it will take you down. It will open doors for you or it will close them. I like what Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 15 says, For the despondent... Every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Wow, the power of attitude. I love the story of the little boy who went in his closet and got his little bat and his little ball and went outside in the backyard. And he took his bat and he put it on his shoulder. And he said to himself, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he threw the ball up and he swung with all of his might and he missed. Strike one. He picked up the ball. He threw it up in the air again and he swung with all of his might and he missed. Strike two. He picked the ball up again. He threw it up in the air and he swung with all of his might and he missed again. Strike three, you're out. And he was discouraged and 
down and feeling bad. And he thought for a moment. And then he said, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. All right, we've talked about the priority now. Let, let's talk a little bit about the pressure. The pressure. You see, here's what I've come to know. To maintain a good attitude will not be easy. Our attitudes will be tested. Let me suggest, first of all, they'll be tested by people. Amen. By people. People, they just know how to push our buttons, don't they? Amen. They just know how to get under our skin. People can raise our blood pressure in a moment. Whether it's by what they say, whether it's by what they do, or just being their own poopy self. Hey, how many agree with me this morning? I, I, this world would be a pretty awesome place to live if it were for all the people. Ever had any people problems? May I suggest that managing people is about as easy as nailing jello to the wall? Let me just ask you, have you ever just been bebopping through your day, man? I mean, oh, you're whistling a tune. Oh, there's a spring in your step, man. There's a, there's a song on your lips. All is right with the world. Until. Until you bump into that certain individual. Of all the people in the world that you did not need to see that day. That person that has the ability to change your mood the moment they walk into the room. May I suggest people make it hard to maintain a good, positive, upbeat attitude sometimes. But not only people, but our attitude will be tested by problems. Somebody said problems develop character. I say problems reveal character. And problems reveal our attitude. And everybody has problems. You're not the only person with a problem today. Everybody has problems. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're white or whether you're black, whether you are male or female, whether you're young or old, whether you're white collar or blue collar, everybody has problems. Now our attitude toward our problem will greatly affect the outcome. And problems can come from many various sources. Satan will send us problems. Yeah. 
The Bible says that, that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. The Bible says that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Oh, it's on his agenda. It is on his to-do list. You can mark it down. The devil is going to make sure you have some problems. But he's not the only source of problems. I'm going to push some of your theology, but that's all right. When you have your church and you're the pastor, you can teach your theology. I'm going to suggest to you that not only does the devil send us problems sometimes, but God sends us problems sometimes. God is the source of my problems sometimes. He sends me problems in order to develop me, in order to mature me, in order to test my faith. Think about this. Think about this. Sometimes God places us in an undesirable situation in order for us to help somebody else who is also in that very same situation. Think about it. Think about it. Perhaps someone prayed. And someone asked God for help with their situation. And so God sent you or he sent me oh, into their situation to help lead them out. And I have a problem. God has placed me in an undesirable situation because somebody prayed for help. And the way God helps is he sends a person. Hello? Other people are the source of some of our problems. Other people. And last but certainly not least, we ourselves are the source of many of our problems. Somebody said, I have met the enemy and I am he. And may I suggest today that a poor, negative, pessimistic attitude is the source of many a problem? And it certainly adds fuel to the fire. It, uh, it certainly fans the flame. And it takes a small problem and makes a big problem out of it. Here's what I've come to know. God uses people and problems and even the devil to change us. And he seldom changes the situation before he changes us. And when we change, especially in the area of attitude, as we change, so changes the problem. We're talking about the attitude challenge today. God, God wants to turn some things around in your life this year. And I believe that if you will accept this attitude challenge, I can guarantee you different results in your life in the year ahead. All right, we've talked about the priority. We've talked about the pressure. Let's talk a little bit about the prescription. The prescription. Dr. Benson... It's going to give you a prescription for developing a better attitude. Unless you think I'm not a doctor, my initials are M.D. Benson. 
All right, the initials are on the wrong end of the name, but they're still there. Let Dr. Benson give you a prescription for developing a better attitude. Let me give you five things. Five things. If you're going to develop and maintain a good positive attitude, the first thing you're going to have to do is decide to have a good attitude. Decide to have a good attitude. May I say that who you are and where you are and and what you are is the outcome of all of the decisions that you have made in your life? May I suggest that decisions determine destiny? Write that down this morning. Decisions determine destiny. Unless you think all I ever do on the golf course is play, that came to me on the golf course. So I go to the golf course so God can speak to me, all right? In every situation, in every circumstance in life, we have a decision to make. We can either face it with a good attitude or we can face it with a bad attitude. Here's what we need to understand this morning. The situation will remain the same no matter which decision that we make. The decision, or excuse me, the, the situation will remain the same no matter which decision that, that we make. We cannot change the situation. We are going to have to face the situation. But I can change the outcome of the situation by the decision that I make concerning my attitude. Henry Ford says, whether you say you can or you can't, you're right. That's what Brother Henry said. If you say you can, you're right. If you say you can't, you're right. Whether you say you can or whether you say you can't, you're right. The ten or the twelve spies that were sent into the promised land to spy out the land and come back and give a report. And they went and they spent those days spying out the promised land and they came back and they gave a report, but there were two very different reports given. Ten out of the twelve of the spies said, We can't. Only two of the twelve said, we can. And the ten that said we can't did not. But the two that says we can did. In 1996, Heather Whitestone became the first handicapped Miss America. She was deaf. Her talent was dancing. She's deaf. She could not hear the music, but her talent was dancing. And she literally blew the judges away with her talent. And in an interview after the, that she had won, she was asked this question. 
The question was, what is the greatest handicap a person can have in life? And she said, the biggest handicap to a person's potential is a negative attitude. Let me say this again this morning. Outside of your decision to receive Christ, your next most powerful and life-changing decision is to decide to have a good, positive attitude. Paul did. Paul did. He said, I've decided to be content in whatever state that I am in. Oh, he said, whether I'm cold or whether I am hot. Oh, he said, whether I am prospering or if I am in want. Paul said, my attitude will remain the same. The next thing you need in this prescription for a good attitude is you need to develop an appreciation for the small things. Develop an appreciation for the small things. One of the reasons that some people are unhappy is because they only live for the big events in life. Um, Birthdays, Christmas, vacation... Marriage, parenthood, retirement. Hey, the big events only come around every so often. So we need to learn to develop an appreciation for the small things. Things like that first cup of coffee. In the morning, I'm laying in bed. It's time to get up. I don't want to get up. But then I remember two things are waiting on me when I get up my shower. Oh, I love my shower in the morning. One of those big-headed, you know, things. and Stand under that, man. I love my shower. And right behind my shower comes a big old mug of manly, strong, bold, Starbucks coffee. (laughs) You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I mean, I I love it. I love it. I'm going to have a good attitude. You're going to have to develop an appreciation for the small things. Reading a good book or seeing a good movie. Oh, with your companion. Oh, time spent with your family. I got a birthday coming up. February 11th. Guess where I'm going to be on my birthday? Oh, no. There will be Starbucks. That ain't where I'm going. I'm going to be in Phoenix. 
with the bug. <laughs> My little two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. Wow. I've been out there three or four times now. Hadn't played golf yet. They'll say, man, so many great golf courses in Phoenix, man. You go out there, you know, but yeah, but there's golf, but then there's the bug. In a few years, she's going to be off to school. So I hadn't even brought my golf clubs with me. Now, February, Phoenix. She does take a nap, you know. Four-hour nap. prescription for a good attitude is part of it is to develop an appreciation for the, for the small things. Amen. Amen? A beautiful sunrise or sunset. Now, I prefer sunsets over sunrises. <laughs> Although, I seem to be seeing The sun come up a lot these days. A nice leisurely walk with your sweetheart. You see, most of life is made up of small, insignificant, non-eventful days. Listen, listen. If you can only be happy on big, important, significant days, you're going to spend most of your life unhappy. So learn to soak up the sun, oh, oh, learn to look around and enjoy the beauty of God's handiwork. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 118 and 24. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Let's dissect this verse for just a moment. Notice the word this, this, this is the day the Lord has made. Eventful or non-eventful, filled with work or filled with play, a hard day or an easy day, this, this is the day, this is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. I can't change it, I can't rearrange it, I can't wish it away, I cannot ignore it. God has made this day, so what am I going to do with this day? Shama said, I will rejoice. In this day, whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether it's a hard day or an easy day, whether I'm working or whether I'm playing, I'm going to rejoice, he said, in this day. And I'm going to be glad, notice, in it. It. Evidently, the psalmist developed an appreciation for every day. Not just the special, big, momentous I'm giving you a prescription for a good, healthy attitude. Let me suggest the next thing this morning very quickly. Dedicate yourself to helping others. Dedicate yourself to helping others. You see, one of the greatest keys to developing and maintaining a good, positive attitude is focus. Focus. And it's hard to maintain a good attitude with a selfish focus 
If we're constantly looking at our own problems, oh, if we are constantly oh, looking at what we don't have and what we want that we do not get, oh, oh, it's hard to have and maintain a good attitude when our focus is always inward. But when we focus on others and we focus on the needs of others, oh, oh, the wisdom writer said in Proverbs 14 and 21, he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. The wisdom writer says here that, that, that the way to be happy is to help others. Bernard Rimlin did an extensive study on happiness. And he discovered that the happiest people in the world are those who are engaged in helping other people. He also discovered that unselfishness was the key to happiness. So let me ask you this this morning. Where is your focus? Where? Is your focus? Is it on yourself and all your unfulfilled hopes and dreams? Is it on yourself and and oh how you feel that you have somehow been shortchanged and somehow you've been cheated in life? And, oh, everybody has it better than you do, and everybody's got what you want, but you can't have. Is that your focus? Because if this is your focus, let me borrow a phrase from Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? So let me challenge you. Let me challenge you today. Take, take your focus from off yourself and off of your problems and focus on helping someone else with their problems. Let me give you another one. This is a big one this morning. This is the prescription for a good attitude. Deliver yourself from perfectionism. Deliver yourself from perfectionism. Because life's not perfect. And people are not perfect. The, the church is not perfect. You know how I know the church isn't perfect? Because you're here. You're awake. Because I'm here. Yeah, I got a better amen. Amen. Life's not perfect. People are not perfect. There's no perfect job, no perfect church, no perfect situation. Amen. Wasn't the worship awesome today? Hey, Pastor Braden and Casey are, are away at a birthday party in Oklahoma. And man, oh man, Clay and Beth and everybody else just stepped up the plate and just knocked a home run, didn't they? Awesome. Amen. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to tell you, it wasn't perfect. Where was the flaw? I don't know. I didn't find one, but there was one somewhere. I, Clay could tell you where it was because he's the leader. I don't know where it was. I was too spiritual in worship. This building, as awesome and incredible as it is, it's not perfect. Pretty cotton-picking clothes. 
We found something yesterday. It wasn't perfect. We're going to fix it. And it will be, all right? Hey, nothing's perfect. Amen? Now hear me. Hear me very, very clearly this morning. There's a big difference between excellence and perfection. I didn't say deliver yourself from excellence. I said deliver yourself from perfectionism. There's a big difference between excellence and perfection. And let me tell you what excellence is. Let me, let me first of all tell you what excellence is not. Excellence is not doing something better than somebody else. That's not excellence. Well, if we can just do it better than so-and-so. No, that's not excellence. Here's what excellence is. Excellence is doing the very best you can with what you have to work with. All right, here's what you've got to work with right here. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have that. You don't have This is what you have to work with. So excellence is taking this that I have to work with and doing the very best I can with what I have. That means it's going to be perfect? No, but it means it's going to be excellent because I've done the very best I could with what I had to work with. And may I suggest to you that the Bible teaches excellence. The Bible teaches excellence. Colossians 3 verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. As working for the Lord and not as working unto man. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, The work of man will be tested by fire to see what quality it is. So God is interested in quality, not just quantity. But one quality is different than another quality. Depends on what you have to work with. Here's a motto for you to live by. Here's a motto for you to live by. Do your very best. Say that with me. Do your very best and trust God for all the rest. Good motto to live by. Do your very best. And trust God for all the rest. God, I've done everything I could with what I had to work with. God, God, I know it's not perfect, but God, God, I gave you my 110%. God, I gave you my heart. God, I gave you my energy. God, I gave you my mind, soul, and body. God, I gave you everything I had. God, I gave all I could. Now, God, you're just going to have to do what you can with it. And then just leave it in the hands of God. I don't know what's going to happen to the grace place. I don't know if we're going to fill this thing up two, three, four, five times. I don't know what we're going to do. All I know is I'm going to do my best. All I know, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to work. I'm going to work hard at studying and work hard at preparing. And I'm going to work hard at trying to develop people and put people in the right places. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can. But I am not going to stay up all night worrying Because somebody left the church. Or there were five, five chairs empty over on this side today. Or I thought we had made it by 500 by now. I ain't going to worry about it. I'm not. I'm going to do my very best and I'm going to trust God for all the rest. Amen. 
you're going to develop and maintain a good attitude, you'll have to deliver yourself from perfectionism. Because life's not perfect, people are not perfect, things are not perfect. We are not perfect. Excellence, yes. Perfection, no. The last thing in this prescription for a good attitude, devote more time to your faith. A 1994 survey revealed that Christians are happier than non-Christians. It's a survey. I, I'm not sure I would have believed it. <laughs> but a 1994 survey revealed that Christians are happier than non-Christians. And it's funny to me that sinners don't want to get saved, and they say they don't want to get saved because they don't want to give up all their fun. They think that if they get saved, they will not be happy. When the truth of the matter is, at least according unto this survey, Christians are happier than sinners. May I suggest this this morning? Perhaps the most unhappy people are Christians who ride the fence. They got one foot in the church and the other foot in the world. They try and run with the world and walk with God at the same time. May I suggest that you, if you are half in and half out, no wonder you are miserable. To develop and maintain a good positive attitude, you're going to have to develop more time or devote more time to your faith. Make church a priority. You know we have to have three Sundays in a row to get to church to church today. It takes three Sundays to get everybody here. Some are at the first, some are at the second, some are at the third, but at, by the end of three weeks, you got them all. You know, the average, I mean the good saint, the good saint, the faithful saint only comes to church two and a half times a month today. We used to call those backsliders. <laughs> now we call them the faithful. We wonder why our life is in the situation that it's in. We wonder why we're unhappy. We wonder why things are not going the way we think they ought to go in our life. Just think about it this way. That you've got somebody full time. Your pastor. Full time. Seeking God on your behalf for a word for you and for your life. He's praying, he's studying, he's talking to God, he's listening to God. Full time. Oh, there are many other, many other jobs that the pastor does. But his main focus, and he never gets away from it, is God, what do you want to say to our people on Sunday? And to have the incredible, unbelievable oh, privilege of having somebody seeking the face of God all week long asking God for a word for you. And then for you to think it's not that important to come.
make church a priority. Come every time the door is open. Read your Bible and pray every day you possibly can, even if it's only a few minutes. And when you're struggling with your attitude, stop. Stop for just a moment and pray and ask God to help you with your attitude. can't tell you how many times that I just stop. And I say, God, I need help here. I'm looking forward. I know what's up there. I know where I'm going today. I know what I'm going to be doing today. I know who I'm going to be seeing today. I need help. Help me. Help me have the right attitude. Help me say the right things. If you're having a problem with your attitude, just pause for a minute. Take a moment. Take a step back. Keep that big fat mouth shut. And just step back for a moment. And just say, God, <laughs> I'm about to blow it here. <laughs> I need help. I'll never forget when our kids were growing up. We had great kids, but they were kids. Every once in a while, they'd cop an attitude. <laughs> when they'd be having an attitude with their mother, she would tell them, go to your room and pray. And don't come out of that room till you come out with a better attitude. They'd go in there, madder and all get out, and now they're double mad. <laughs> Pray what? But they knew they couldn't come out of that room until they came out with a different attitude. I made one mistake in building this building. I forgot to build the attitude room. Wouldn't it be nice when somebody's copping an attitude? I could just say, get in the attitude room and don't come out until you got a better attitude. <laughs> we could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning. The word from the Lord. For you and for me this year is the word challenge. Challenge. God is challenging us to a total turnaround in our life. I'm telling you that I know that I know that I know that I know that God has scheduled a total turnaround in your life in the year of 2014. Whether or not that happens depends upon the fact that you accept the challenge. Because if you keep on doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep on getting what you've been getting. The 
the end of this year is going to be the same as the end of last year. If you keep on doing what you've been doing. But I know in my heart that if you'll accept the challenges, five of them, that I've laid out, not from me, but from God. If you'll accept those challenges, you'll embrace them, and you'll implement them in your life. You'll see a turnaround. I didn't say your life would be perfect, but you'll see a turnaround in your life this year. Can we stand this morning? Father, I thank you for this word today. God, I believe each and every one of these five messages the last five Sundays have been straight from the throne room of God. Directed at a particular people. God, I pray that you will help us today to accept these challenges. We will embrace them. We will implement them. And we will see total turnaround in the area of our life that we need it the most. turn around in your life in any area it doesn't matter what area this morning but you need to turn around in your life you're going to embrace the challenges that I have placed before you I want you to come and stand in the front this morning as an act of surrender and as an act of saying God I accept the challenge I accept the challenge and God I embrace the challenge and I'm going to, I'm going to implement the challenges and I'm going to expect to see a turnaround total turnaround in my life Amen come on Amen Will you accept the challenge? Will you accept the challenge? Will you accept the challenge? If you accept the challenge, come on. Come on. Come on.
Why don't you tell the Lord, God, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to live my life with excellence. I'm going to do the very best I can with what I have. I'm going to take the talent, the gifts, and the abilities that you have given to me. And I'm going to do my best to develop them. I'm going to use them to do my best. God, with them, I'm going to do my very, very best. And then after I've done my very best, I'm going to turn the results over to you. I'm going to turn the results over to you. I'm going to do my very best, and I'm going to trust you. All the rest. Say that to him this service today. Lord, I pray over the teenagers, over the young adults, over young families, middle-aged families. Lord, I pray over our seniors, Father, that this year would be our greatest year yet. Lord, because we, we have embraced and accepted these challenges for our prayer life, our financial life. Lord, our attitude, 
Father, all of the different challenges that Pastor has placed before us, Father, I pray that because we've embraced them and we've accepted the challenge, I pray, Father, that that the fruit in our lives would, would, would tell a story of, of this year being our best, most successful year yet. Thank you, Father. Thank you for another year. Thank you for all of the blessings in our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.